you for tuning in to this power-packed podcast by David Oyelowo. Are you ready to take giant strides in your walk to success? Do you think you can achieve more within a shorter period? Well then, you're in the right place. This is Success Catalyst. We bring you word-based principles and practical wisdom needed to supercharge your growth and accelerate your success than you ever thought possible. If this is your first time joining us, kindly subscribe and hit the notification bell to receive updates when a new video is uploaded. Today on Success Catalyst, it's time to accelerate. Hello listeners, welcome to the Success Catalyst Podcast and happy new month to you. Thank you for tuning in once again. If you're joining us for the first time, kindly subscribe to the channel and do make sure you turn the notification bell. Maybe you're listening on YouTube, you're listening on Hancock, wherever you're listening, or whatever podcasting platform you're getting this, do make sure that you subscribe on my YouTube channel. And make sure you turn the notification bell on so that you can receive updates when a new content is uploaded. You can do that right away. It takes less than two seconds to do that. I have created this podcast to help people create, multiply, and accelerate their success by leveraging the supernatural wisdom of God because I believe that that's the supernatural leverage that we have. Every week like this, I share a word that will minister to your very need. If you have been listening to me for quite some time, you will agree with me that the things I share on the podcast are things that are practical. They are things that are applicable to real life issues. So we take the word of God, which is very practical, and we apply it to real issues of life. The flower face, the grass weeds, only the word of the Lord remains forever. And I'm so excited once again to have this opportunity to share God's wisdom, God's power, God's grace with you today. This word, just like many others you have listened to, is going to bring strength, vitality, energy, and hell to your soul. Today, I want to start an interesting discussion. Before that, I want us to pray. Know that I've not really, uh, we've not really had, you know, prayer uh, session on the podcast. But today, I just felt inspired to lead some prayer. So, Father Lord, thank you for your word that says you will never leave us, forsake us, abandon us, and leave us without support. I know that there might be a lot of people listening to me right now that are discouraged and troubled, in trouble, tired, distressed, perplexed. The prayer is confused and anxious. Lord, only you understand. You are the good shepherd and you understand the needs of your people. Today, I lift all my listeners to you today. Let the word bring strength, vitality, power, courage, and encouragement to them. Bring healing to homes. I command peace be still in your home, still in your peace, be still in your marriage, peace be still in your body. I pray that even as I teach today, let revelation all flow freely, or neither by any satanic or demonic force. I pray that you will speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind. Bless the hearer and the preacher of the word. None of me, but all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, welcome once again. And happy new mom to you. Today, I want to share with you an interesting topic, which I have tied to what should I do when I don't know what to do. I think that's a very great topic. And of course, an important uh, question. Um, an important question. And... I've never been a fan of teaching and practical things or sharing knowledge that is not applicable to real life issues because I believe there is a heavy word for every situation. You know, the Bible tells us that man shall not live by every man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I believe that uh, there is a heavy word for every situation. There is a heavy word for every problem. There is a heavy word for every challenge. So we live by the every word of God. So we got, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're passing through, there is a heavy word for every situation. There is a heavy word for every marriage. There is a heavy word for your health. There is a heavy word for your sickness. There is a 
every word for your challenges. So man shall live by the every word of God that proceed out of the mouth of God. And uh, you know, today there are people who think God isn't interested in them, except their spiritual or kingdom stewardship. We think that what matters to God is our prayer, is our fasting, is our offerings, our seeds. But uh, we don't think that God is actually interested in our carnal things. We think that the only thing that God is interested in is in spiritual things, spiritual stewardship, service, fasting, evangelism, and some other things like that. But when you talk to people like this, they feel that <laughs> you, you, you're disrespecting God. But that is not true. That is not true. God cares about everything you care about, even the smallest and the insignificant details about your life. He cares about the spot on your face. He cares about the pimples on your face. He cares about your skin. Everything. I mean everything. So if it matters to you, that means it also matters to him. Whatever matters to you, whatever gives you sleepless night also matters to God. Many times we are too formal with our relationship with God. We are too we are too formal. I don't want to use the word spiritual. We are too formal. We are not real with God. We can there are some certain things we can't share with him. We are, we are too formal before God that we can share with him some of our cares. We think if, if it is not spiritual, well, then why should he care about us? He cares. He cares about every damn thing. Have you forgotten the, the, the verse that says to cast all our cares, not some, all our cares on him for he cares for you. He cares about your boyfriend. He cares about your girlfriend. He cares about your spouse. He cares about your fiance. He cares about your, 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 your husband. He cares about your children. He cares about everything. He cares about that nagging boy, that nagging girl. He cares about it. So don't feel that you are disturbing God. I just feel that I should share this, you know, with you today. I think it's going to be very important to understand what I want to talk about. So back to the discussion, what should I do when I don't know what to do? Many of us have found ourselves in this condition where we are confused. You know, we are confused as to what to do. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just don't know what to do? Perhaps you just suffered a great loss and you had a major decision to make. Maybe you were faced with a major crisis, or probably you're still even having a crisis. Maybe you have a wayward child, and on love his pals. Maybe you did something very, very stupid. Whatever. I don't know about you, but when I get into this situation, I feel desperate. I believe every one of us feel desperate. I wonder if I'm going to make it hard at all. If you have been there, or you're currently there, then I bet you can relate to one. Uh, you can relate to uh, the, the scripture in Second Kings chapter four. You can relate to the scripture when they brought the um, the babies to Solomon to you know to, to 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 judge. You can relate to this. You know, it's been said that desperate time calls for desperate measures. Many of us have found ourselves in a state of confusion, in a state of uh, darkness, where we don't know what to do. No, many people are even doing something they are not sure if God is asking them to do. We are unsure, we are we are uncertain. And see, God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. God is light. David said his word is a is a is a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. It means that see the word of God brings light and illumination, guidance and leadership to our life. It brings order to our life. So it's a it's a it's a light unto our path. It gives leadership, it gives it gives guidance. Maybe you are saying, God, I don't know what to do about this marriage anymore. Maybe you are saying, how do I pay off this huge debt? Maybe you're, you're saying in your heart that I didn't see this retrenchment coming at all. What do I do now? Of course, the first and most popular counsel you probably get from a pastor, from a spiritual leader, is to pray. Talk to God about it. But how many times have we done all of this and still cannot discern what God is asking us to do? What do you do then when you don't know what to do? 
believe in prayer. Absolutely, I believe in prayer. But how many times have we prayed about an issue and deep, deep, deep down, we still know that we can discern what we are supposed to do? So I'm not relegating prayer, but I want to bring a practical approach to the subject. God's word dispels confusion, darkness. To be in the dark means to be void of God's knowledge. What do I do when I don't know what to do? This is going to be very, very practical. I'm going to offer suggestions and some practical approaches you know, to dealing with this subject. I'm going to, sh- going to share one or two things or steps on each episode. So let's start. The first thing to do when you don't know what to do is to do nothing. 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 That is the first thing to do. The first thing to do when you don't know what to do is to do nothing. Nothing. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. I think that is practically easy. Everyone should at least know how to do nothing. I noticed I didn't say the only thing you have to do is to do nothing. I said the first thing you have to do when you don't know what to do is to stop doing something and do nothing. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. I believe that this is going to challenge many of our philosophy, our mindset, and paradigm because many of us have been wired not to think that way. So what do I mean that you should do nothing? Do you mean I should just do do you mean I should just sit down and do nothing? Yes, exactly. Do nothing. Do nothing. I believe this is one of the greatest counsel you will ever get in from me if you ever find yourself in this kind of situation. What do I mean do nothing? See, do nothing. What do I mean by do nothing? I want us to see in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We may not be able to read all the scriptures today. Um, but Genesis chapter 2, rather. Oh, verse 1. So the creation of the heavens of the earth and everything in them was completed. And verse 2. On the seventh day, God has finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. And now this is very, very, very instructive. We know that God did not create Adam, the first man, on the first day. God did not create Adam on the second day, on the third day, on the fourth day, on the fifth day, on the sixth day. God created Adam when he has come completed all the works of creation and the bible says god blessed that seventh day so god blessed the day that god created hayden now why did god create hayden on the seventh day not on the first day when there was a lot of work to do <laughs> there was a lot of cement to carry there was a lot of block to carry there were a lot of things to do because i believe god did not need adam's effort god did not need adam's participation god did not need adam's input into what he wants to create he tells us that God does not need our effort to bless us. God does not need our effort to prosper us. God does not need our effort to heal us. God needs us to do something differently. And doing, uh, and what he wants us to do is to do nothing. <laughs> is to do nothing. So God created Adam on the seventh day, which illustrates the day of Sabbath. You know, the Bible tells us that God created man on the seventh day and not the fifth day or the first day. And I believe that one of the reasons why God did it was because God did not want our input. And the seventh day is a is a is, is a type or an illustration of the Sabbath. Sabbath means rest. One of the laws that God gave to Moses to give to the children of Israel was uh, the law of the Sabbath in Exodus chapter 16, verse 15, um, 22 to 30, then Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. It's a law. It's a law. To rest was a law for the children of Israel. It was a law they had to obey. To do nothing was a law to them. And we don't see it as a law anymore. We see it as being lazy. We see it as being useless. But to God, rest was an important law to the children of Israel. So he told them, 
to rest on the on the, on, the, on the particular day. So God made man on the day of rest because God wants us to start our life from the position of rest. God wants us to start our life from doing nothing. He wants us to have that rest philosophy and mindset first. He wants us to think rest before we learn how to walk. God does not want us to learn how to walk, then we later find out how to rest. God does not want us to have the philosophy that you have to do something to get something. God wants us to have the mindset that you don't have to do anything to get something. That what you receive comes on the, plat on, the, on the platform of grace, on the platform of God's benevolence. And many people still find it difficult to understand this subject. So God created us to do nothing, primarily to do nothing. Unfortunately, for many of us, we walk and walk and walk and walk. We don't understand rest because God creating Adam on the Sabbath day, on the day of rest, is an indication that God wanted to start. God wanted him to start his life from rest. He wanted, he wanted him to start his life from a position of rest and not to walk. You see, God gave Adam rest before He gave him a walk, before He gave him an assignment, before He gave him a wife. God gave Adam rest. He wants us to think rest. He wants us to rest before we even learn how to walk. Unfortunately, the reverse is the case. We all know the value of work, but many people are completely ignorant of the value of rest. You see, what I'm sharing with you today is a foundation and recipe for spiritual and good success. It's a, it's a recipe for health. It's a, it's a recipe for growth and progress. Adam was designed to start from rest, to do nothing. You see, you need to rest before you can be energized and empowered to walk. It was Watchman E that said, Christianity is a care business. If at the outside you try to do anything, you get nothing. If you seek to attain something, you miss everything. For Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. See, the reason why you can say or I can tell you to do nothing is because there is nothing left to do. It's done. And that's a false mindset God wants us to have in any situation. You see, we must learn how to take the word of God and apply it to the real life issues that is peculiar to us. This isn't just talking about the fact that God has forgiven you your sins. No, you can take this knowledge and apply it to your life. When I say do nothing, it's, it's to tell you, to reveal to you that whatever you want done is done, is already done. And one of the ways you can really, really, really come to apprehend it is to rest. So the reason I say to you, do nothing is because there is nothing to do. God's seventh day was in fact Adam's first. Whereas God walked six days, then later he rested, Adam began his life with the Sabbath. For God walks before he rests, while man is designed to rest before he walks. You see, God, is a, God has designed us in a way that we are different. We, are, we, we, we function differently from him. God have to walk before he rests, but man has to rest before he can walk. So rest is the foundation of spiritual success. I cannot overemphasize this. And mind you, when I say do nothing or rest is not it's not inactivity or being passive, most people think hard work is the only key to success, but it isn't. It isn't. Hard work is not the key to spiritual success. Hard work is not the key to good success. And that's why when you check the word of God, you see, when God was telling Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, one of the one of the counsel that God offered Joshua was to meditate on the law of the Lord. Meditation, meditation on the word of the law was enough to prosper Joshua. The Bible is not, the word of God is not against being diligent. It's not against that. It's not against 
you know, righteous labor. It's not against that. But fundamentally speaking, God wants us to learn how to rest. So learning to rest is more important than working hard. You heard me right, and I'll say it again. Learning to rest is more important than working hard. You see, if you know how to work hard and you don't know how to rest hard, you are going to have a lot of frustration, a lot of defeat in your life. You're going to have emotional problem. You see, oppressive emotions are going to be very, 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 very real in your life. Because most people who lack rest in them cannot banish depression, anxiety, worry, and some other negative emotions like that. All the sicknesses and diseases that we experience are symptoms of lack of rest. You can be happy, joyful, and peaceful without rest. I mean, doing nothing. In fact, medical doctors have traced a lot of the disease to lack of rest, hypertension, and all kinds, all kinds of tender disease have been traced to rest. Although their own form of rest is a uh, physical but the kind of rest i'm sharing with you is a spiritual rest and it takes only a spiritual man to rest an unbeliever cannot have this kind of rest you may have a lot of sleep but you don't have any form of rest so if you're going to take advantage and appropriate god's blessing in your life you're going to change that situation you must learn how to rest. it is not automatic you have to learn it you have to learn it rest is an essentially godly skill or attribute we all need to cultivate if we intend to lead a life of victory, a life of glory, a life of excellence, a, a, a life of dominion. I can overemphasize this. If you are going to walk in excellence, in perfect excellence, in victory, in dominion, you have to learn how to do this. So what do I do when I don't know what to do? Rest, 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 rest. Do nothing. What is rest? Does rest mean inactivity, being passive, being lazy? No, no, no. None of the none of this word is synonymous to uh, to rest. Rest is not synonymous to any of this word. It is essentially a state of the soul that leans and depends on God. Rest is a state of the soul. It's a fixed state of the soul that leans and depends on God. It is a soul that have the mindset of philosophy that everything has been provided, everything has been done. The blessing of God will not flow effectively to your life if you don't know how to, if you do not. In fact, one of the ways you know that you are not walking in the blessings of God is that everything you have, you paid for them. Everything you have, you prayed for Him. It's a sign, it's an indication that you are not walking in the blessing of God. If everything you have, you walk for it, then you are not a blessed man. That is not the way God intended us to be blessed. God intended us to be so blessed that when we look at the blessing of God in our life, we can't trace it to, you know, to our best effort. We can only trace it to the grace of God. So, the more you rest, the more blessings you experience. You see, in God's kingdom, your success is directly proportional to the quality of your rest. Although rest is not anti-work, it's not anti-labor, it's not anti-diligence, but I first need you to understand and to be consolidated in what I'm talking about. Rest is not anti-work, it's not anti-labor. But I need you to first understand this before I go on to you know, explain the other, uh, other aspect of this topic. Why does God want you to do nothing? Because he wants you to know that everything you need is already made available to you. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given us all things. Not he will give us all things. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So if I'm in a situation now and I need the wisdom of God, I need to have the consciousness that, oh, God has given me wisdom. God has given me wisdom. See, there's a better way to pray than saying, Lord, give me wisdom. And act on it in the fact that, Lord, I have wisdom in this situation. 
I'm, I'm led by the Spirit of God. Christ has made unto me wisdom. Our prayer life reveals our understanding of God's word. Well, I may not be able to say it's wrong to ask for wisdom, but I think it's better to pray. Christ has made unto you wisdom. Therefore, I have wisdom for this situation. Therefore, I know what to do. Now, this is a prayer from the position of rest. There is nothing wrong praying, Lord, hear my boy. But is it better? There is a better way to pray, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because by your stripes I'm healed. You are praying from the position of rest. Is whatever you do that you're not doing from the position of rest will lead to suffering, will lead to struggle. Still on the subject, God wants us to know that everything we need is already made available to us. We just need to be aware and learn how to use it and learn how to take it. See, we need to be aggressive in our receiving. Many of us are aggressive in asking, but we need to be aggressive in our receiving. They didn't even have to pray for anything. Eight them didn't have to pray for anything. Everything was provided in Eden. Eden is a type of Christ. Everything that Adam needed to live the life of God, the life that God set before him, was already provided. He didn't have to pray for anything. He didn't have to ask for anything. It wasn't hidden. So having this mindset is critical to success. And having a contrary mindset, different from this, is inimical to your health, is inimical to your success. Let me use an illustration. Have you ever searched for something in your room before? Like maybe your phone, you were going out or something, or a pen or something. You probably forgot where you placed the item. You search and search even in the <laughs> in the weirdest places <laughs> that you're so sure that even by searching you you, you can't find it there. it can be found there and after much effort you were forced to just sit down relax and perhaps you just pray to god where is this wristwatch and immediately something just made you stand up and you went straight away to where the lost hiding was located what really happened what's the difference you relaxed your mind this is a picture of rest. The item is around you, all as well. It was in the house, but you couldn't see it. You couldn't find it because your mind was troubled. It was clouded. See, you can see God's blessing in your life, even though they are in front of you, if you are troubled. And that's why God will tell the disciples, do not let your heart be troubled. If you allow your heart to be troubled, you will not be able to envision, to see the blessings of God, even if they were in the physical realm. So our perspective of success must change. It must change. It isn't about much hard work. It is about aggressive rest. Most of our problems are rest problems, honestly. Absence of peace is an indication of absence of rest. Let me tell you this. People who lack sufficient rest are prone to all manner of sicknesses and diseases. Even medical science supports that. Destructive habits, lack, addiction, destructive behavior because of lack of rest. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Rest. Rest. When you learn to do this, you are going to increase the flow of God's blessing in your life. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible tells us that God has made us seated with Christ in heavenly places. He has made us seated. He has made us seat with Christ in heavenly places. And when I say rest, I mean do nothing. I mean you should sit. Now, sitting is a position of rest. Not only that, sitting is a position of power, authority, and dominion. So when Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 that Christ has made us, God has made us seated with Christ in heavenly places, he's telling us that he's, he's, he's brought us to a position of rest. He's brought us to a position of power. He's brought us to a position of authority. He's, he's brought us to a position of dominion. So the position of rest is a position of power, of authority, and dominion. See, I believe that sitting or learning to rest is a throwing attitude. Yeah, when you, when you sit, sitting is a position of rest. When you sit on a chair, the chair you're sitting on carries your weight, carries your load, carries your body. So when you see it, you are not only being passive, you are gathering strength and power to walk. You, see, you can walk if you have not learned to strength because you gather strength in the place of rest. 
The power to do comes from resting. The power to perform comes from resting. He has made us seated with Christ in heavenly places. So that place is not in heaven, that place is in Christ. Christ is seated, you should also be seated. If Christ is sitting, then you shouldn't be standing. But unfortunately, that's what many of us are doing. So rest is an atmosphere of grace and blessing. It's an atmosphere of grace and blessing. You see, when you rest, you are exercising dominion and authority. And authority. There's a scripture in Psalms. It says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. You see, normally you are not supposed to sit down until you are until the war is over. But the Lord said in the scripture that you first need to sit down until I make your enemies your footstool. Not the other way around. But many of us we want to sit down after God has made our enemies our footstool, after the problem has been solved. God says no. The real power is you sitting down until I make your enemies your footstool. So your enemy can be anything. Your enemy can be that challenge, that problem, it can be anything. So the Lord said unto my Lord, sit down until I make your enemies your footstool. There's another scripture in, uh, I think, um, let, let me try to get a scripture, I think in John. John. Uh, okay, in John chapter 6, I'll read from verse 1. Say, after this, Jesus Christ is, is, the, is, the, is the story of how Jesus fed more than 5,000 people. We're all familiar with that. From verse 1, say, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous sign as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed the hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all those people? Verse 6, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. See, that was a wrong statement. These guys didn't have an understanding of who Jesus was. Then Andrew, Simon's Peter, brother spoke up. There's a young boy here with five belly loaves and two fish, but what good is what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, he compared the problem with the seed that he had. He didn't know that there is a power in the seed, that there is a man called Jesus. When he handles your seed, he has the power, the wisdom, the ability, supernatural ability to multiply that little seed to fill the crowd. Now, this is amazing. In verse 10, it says, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slope. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was with Jesus, the disciples now gathered the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Isn't this amazing? Jesus told them to sit down even before the food was served. That is faith. That is faith. So you can measure your spiritual health by observing how you rest. You can succeed, you can succeed or prosper according to God's word without rest. So in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus also taught on the parable of the soil, illustrating the different soil as a type of different heart condition or disposition. In verse 19, Jesus said, Jesus said, but all too quickly. Let me let, let me read in uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 19. Okay. Okay, let me start from verse uh, 16. It said, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep root, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. 
The seed that fell among the tongues represent all the sweet Yegos work, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. See, the message was crowded out, the word of God was crowded out by the worries of this world, by the cares of this world. And the Bible says, So no fruit is produced. So there will be fruit in your life. The word of God will not produce fruit and result in your life until you learn how to rest. And what is the opposite of rest? It is not hard work, it is worry, it is anxiety. That's why I have to do nothing. So when I have to do nothing, I mean to rest. I mean not to worry. I mean to not to let your heart be troubled. And you see, one of Satan's strategy is to displace you out of that position of rest. Because Satan knows that the position of rest is a position of power, is a position of authority, is a position of dominion, is a position where you give God opportunity to walk on your behalf. You see, when you walk, the best you are going to have is your best. But when you rest, the best you are going to have is God's best. Now you can compare it. When you rest, God walks. And when you walk, God rests. So, your position will determine the amount of provision you attract. Your position, that position of rest will determine the amount of provision you attract. So, take this lesson from me today. Apply this lesson to your life and watch your life experience grace and blessings. You are going to experience more blessings in your life when you learn how to do nothing, and which means to rest. So, I'm going to conclude this uh, teaching here is where we're going to draw the curtain for today's teaching. I'm going to continue the teaching our series in the next episode. If you have been impacted, I believe you have been impacted by this word, kindly invite your friend, share, 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 share with them on your social media. Don't forget to subscribe, hit the notification bell, invite them to listen every week. Every week. I believe you have been blessed by this podcast. All right, all right. What shall I do when I don't know what to do? Do nothing. Rest. See you next time. Keep winning and bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Success Catalyst, and we hope it was a blessing to you. Kindly tune in again, same time, next week. If you have any comments, testimonies, and want to partner with DOTM Global, visit us online at www.dotmglobal.com.ng or comment on our Instagram page at Success Catalyst TV. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. We also encourage you to practice as you learn. This podcast was made possible by friends and partners of David O'Leary Teaching Ministries. Keep winning.